2: not often that we get to take vacations in the middle of the season sam just got back from a, as tropical and glamorous a destination last night as possible tell people where you were sam
0: <laughs> yeah I, I traveled south i got in my car i brought uh, our good friend kelsey Anigan along with me uh we got on i-95 we drove we drove we drove and then we got off at trenton new jersey trenton, new
2: jersey man oh man Which, I, I gotta tan? Say, are you tan
0: I, I I am tanner, yes, because I did not bring sunscreen and a lot of baseball involves you sitting outside waiting for interviews and stuff like that. So I am tanner than I was this time yesterday. Okay. Um, but nice. I got to say, like, it, where Arm and Hammer Park was, it, it, I like that location. It's, yeah, it's right it's next very to the river. It's, yeah, you've been there. And you,
2: yeah.
0: When you I worked with Altoona. It. Yeah, it's, it's a nice, pretty much cookie cutter park, but it, it gets the job done. I was, I was very happy with it.
2: Trenton Thunder hosted the Eastern League All-Star Game last night. Sam was in attendance, and we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. And we welcome you into this week's episode of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com, the 168th episode. Thanks for tuning in wherever you found us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and everywhere else, and you can find us at MILB.com slash podcast as well, and give us a rating and a review and a subscription and let us know what you think of the show. You can get in touch, podcast at MILB.com. We did get an email into podcast at MILB.com from yet another attendee of the Eastern League All-Star Game we'll talk about it here uh, in a little while. Wow, coming up, but uh, before we get to all that, got to talk about the biggest showcase game coming up this week as we get started with three strikes on this week's episode three topics of the most pressing variety of minor league baseball and the futures game is coming up on sunday the united states and the world will match wits with some of the top prospects in baseball 30 of major league baseball's top 100 prospects will be included on rosters for the u.s and world team for the 2018 mlb all-star futures game uh in washington dc and uh I'm looking at these rosters Sam. there's a lot of talent across each of them it seems like top level talent is slanted toward one side or the other but which uh which futures game roster would you prefer among these two
0: yeah i did a tool shed about this on wednesday uh rosters came out last friday they were announced on mlb network we did a quick post about them kind of announcing them you can find them on the site uh but then i did kind of a tail of the tape type situation comparing each team by position group catchers infielders outfielders and pitchers uh And the way you kind of stack it up that way, this U.S. team is just loaded. I mean, both teams are loaded. Don't get me wrong. Like you put the U.S. team, the world team, either one against your kind of average minor league team almost at any level, and they would be favored. But uh, this U.S. team is just absolutely loaded almost at every group. Uh, I particularly like the infield uh, where they could conceivably have – top 100 prospects the entire game uh peter Alonso, top 100 prospect Bo Bo Bichette top 100 prospect Cabrian Hayes top 100 Keston Hiera Carter Keboom Ryan Mountcastle Brendan Rogers. all of these guys are somebody we've been talking about all season long um you know some of them play multiple positions which is going to be really interesting because Rogers, Keyboom, Bichette they could all play shortstop at any point one of them is probably going to have to play second base. It's probably Bouchette or Mount uh, Mountcastle, Hayes, Rogers. they could all play third base. Uh, you know, Torrey Hunter is the manager of this team. is a very good problem to have. Really excited to see how he kind of makes that work and what the instructions are going to be given to kind of make that U.S. infield work. But as good as that infield is the outfield might be even better. Uh, Joe Adele, Alex Kirilov, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, again, four out of the five representatives there are ranked among the top 100 and all four of those are extremely toolsy. Uh, Joe Adele, you know, might be the breakout prospect of the year. You know, yeah, he's a first round pick from last year. Um, but he's hit at class A, he's hit at class A advanced. He's shown good speed. He's shown really good power. He's shown an exceptional hit tool, uh, some worries about it. his arm from last year seem to be quelled. He's playing well in the outfield. Uh, he seems really well set up for, you know, a guy we've all, we've talked about all year long. You put him on the national, may I even dare say it, the international stage in a futures game. And then all of a sudden he becomes a star that the entire world of baseball knows. Uh, he seems really well set up for that. Uh, but Kirilov... You know, he's at Class A Advanced now, Fort Myers in the twin system. He was knocked out all last year with Tommy John surgery. He's got really good power coming from the left side, Uh, a good strong arm himself, even coming off the elbow surgery. So that'll be really cool. Taylor Trammell, all tooled up, uh, really cool to see. The one advantage I would say the world has over the U.S. is in the catching department. And even that's going to get a little interesting. Uh, Francisco Mejia is the top catching prospect in baseball, uh, has been absolute uh, on an absolute tear since the beginning of June, hitting almost close to 400 since June 1st. Uh, he participated in the AAA All-Star Game just last night in his hometown. I, I don't know if you want to call it that, but in his home park in Columbus. Uh, and he's listed under catchers for the uh, t- world team, but in the international league – or. For the A All-Star Game, playing for the International League, he actually started in right field in that game in an exhibition. What are they going to do with him? David Ortiz is the manager of that. What kind of instructions are the Indians going to give him uh, on Mejia? I would like to see him play behind the plate. That's his best position. Let him show off. Uh, but the Indians are trying to make him into an outfielder, trying to get his bat to the majors the best they can. Maybe they'll say, hey, listen, would you mind getting him some time in right or at third base? We'll have to keep an eye out on that. But beyond that, Cabert Ruiz, uh, a 19-year-old catcher, he'll turn 20 on July 20th, has been playing all year at A Tulsa, kind of holding his own, really turning into a well-rounded catcher. Uh, I talked to somebody on the Tulsa staff last week. They said, you know, it's really cool to see how he's grown behind the plate, kind of holding his own, you know, not spectacular numbers in the Texas league, but you know, he's 19 years old, playing at double a, the Dodgers really trust him. Uh, he's playing alongside Will Smith at that Tulsa place or in, in that Tulsa roster. Um, you know, he, he has some cover what he he can do with a staff like this is going to be really exciting. Um, but you know, for the world pitching as good as that U S offense will be, I look at the world pitching and I just don't see the depth there to kind of limit those bats. Jesus Susardo, friend of the podcast, uh, is the only top 100 arm on the world side. He's technically representing Ven- Venezuela, where his parents are from. Interestingly, he was born in Peru, Uh, two Venezuelan parents they eventually moved to the United States he was drafted you know he's an American player for all intents and purposes but will be representing his parents home country which is really neat here in the Futures game Uh, the only top 100 arm for for the world meanwhile the U.S. has some really big names you know along the lines of Dylan Cease Hunter Green Mitch Keller Matt Manning Justice Sheffield, Kyle Wright. Forrest Whitley was initially on the roster. He got replaced by Luis Ortiz. He's dealing with an injury right now. Um, but uh, you know, in this type of showcase, the US roster could conceivably top, send out top 100 arms deep into the fifth and sixth inning where the w- world roster is gonna kind of run dry in that well pretty quickly. Not to say the world isn't gonna have some fun arms, Jorge Guzman. I wouldn't be surprised to see a 102 or 103 uh, whenever he takes the mound for the world side, the Miami Marlins prospect who they got from the Yankees last year. Um, But in terms of just depth, exciting names, exciting tools, uh, it's going to be very difficult to beat this U.S. side on Sunday in Washington.
2: That is a loaded group, Um, and this is really one of the funnest days of the the baseball calendar, and especially for those of us who are prospect people, um, it's just cool to see, not only see all this talent collected together in one place, but the amount of fun that these guys have playing in the Futures game every year is so much fun to watch, Um, so tune into that if you're around on Sunday, tune into the Futures game, because it's always a a really entertaining day, and that U.S. roster is going to be a lot of fun. World roster is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but that U.S. roster is really, really loaded. Um, Strike two this week, Sam, which Futures gamer do you believe has the biggest chance to stick out um, and really make an impression on this type of stage coming up this weekend
0: yeah when I kind of formulated this question I, I thought back to two years ago with Elo Jimenez in San Diego I believe it was uh, he you know we know him now as being a top five overall prospects big time power pretty good defensively uh, you know now he's a member of the White Sox organization when he was in that futures game he was a member of the Cubs system he was playing the lower levels a lot of, you know, normal fans, I would say, hadn't really heard his name yet. Then he made a spectacular catch, showed up with the power in the game itself, showed up with the power in batting practice, all that kind of stuff. A year later, he's being traded for, you know, Quintana from the White Sox and, and being a major role in a big trade uh, and now a big part of that White Sox rebuild. So, you know, as much as it is one game and as much as it's an exhibition and it doesn't really count and uh, a lot of the guys we talk to will say, you know, I'm just there for the fun of it and to hang out and get to meet a lot of these guys I've, I've read about or heard about, uh, you know, it, it is a, a game on national TV. It's It's a chance for. A lot of folks, you know, who don't listen to this podcast, who don't necessarily check up on milb.com all the time or any of the other big prospect sites out there, to see what the future will look like. Um, so, you know, who can kind of take hold of a, a big game and and show off big time power or big time speed or something like that? I know Brent Honeywell, kind of speaking from the pitcher side last year, uh, was the only pitcher in the futures game to throw two innings. He was eventually named MVP, um, but got to show you know his kind of kitchen sink. I don't think he threw a screwball, but everybody really wanted him to, uh, but got to show that he's more than just a screwball pitcher uh, before undergoing Tommy John surgery this year. When he comes back, you know, we hope it's a healthy recovery, but, you know, we still expect big things from Brent Honeywell. Uh, So kind of – going through the names that I went through before uh, who's kind of stacked up well to, to stand out in that regard. Uh, you know, I, I, said what I said about Adele and I do think that kind of plays into this question a little bit. Uh, j- just a guy who can do everything extremely well. Um, you know, he could hit a home run, have an outfield assist and steal a base all in this game and it would not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, for an angels team that, at the major league level right now needs a little bit of optimism. I know Garrett Richards is going through an elbow injury right now. And uh, despite getting Otani fever and Mike Trout having an historic year, the Angels still quite aren't measuring up. So if Adele can have a big game, that would get a lot of Angels fans even more excited about the farm system than they already are. Uh, One other one that I'll be watching is Hunter Green uh, from the red system. Their top pick from last year, Hunter Green, has already appeared on a sports illustrated cover uh has already been declared the future of the sport which if you go back and read that story uh was a little bit heavy-handed from my perspective you know I, i'm a minor I'm league writer i'm surrounded by guys who are constantly called the next big thing uh and green is very good don't get me wrong um, but it was written at a time when we thought he could still be a two-way guy and, and that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case with him going forward he's going to stick on the mound um but it You know, he's another guy who can hit 100. Uh, He can really rear back and throw it. And when he's only getting one inning, you know, maybe he's going to throw a little bit harder. Um, But he's also, despite only playing at Class A so far, he's been on a big stage before. He's somebody who shines in that stage. I think that's why he went to the 2017 draft in Secaucus. You know, he knows what it's like to be on TV. He doesn't shy away from the spotlight. Um, So despite his relative inexperience, you know, he could be somebody who really shows his stuff and shines bright on the big stage. Um, so I'm interested to see how he can kind of plug himself in there. He'll be going up against double A AA bats, triple A bats for the first time. Uh, what does he do against them? How does he attack them? Does he just try to use velocity to, to get it done or does he you know work in, in his off speed? I'll be really interested to see. But, you know, again, Reds could use some optimism. Uh as well as it's gone under the Jim Riggleman era. Uh, They're all looking to to Hunter Green to kind of have a big day, and I will be looking for that too. So uh, those are a couple of names uh, that I think will be sticking out on Sunday. But, you know, be prepared to be surprised. These are all very talented guys. that are all in this game for a reason. Um, They all are tooled up. And, you know, all it takes is one good swing, one good inning whatever uh and it could change some of these guys trajectories being in front of these many scouts and these ma- this many fans so really excited i'll be there sunday uh you know let me know what you guys are looking for or whatever we'll have podcast interviews from the futures game as well um but yeah like you said tyler one of the best days of the year on, in terms of uh the minor league calendar
2: my uh, two prospect crushes um i think are destined for big days. Sam, I'm going to I'm going to go with that. One of them is not really that much of a reach, the highest-ranked prospect who is going to be taking part in this, but a guy who I don't think is really arrived quite as much on the internet or on the the national landscape uh, as some of these other guys, but Fernando Tatís Jr., the Padres shortstop prospect who has been a, a terrific prospect throughout the entirety of his career, but, you know, the fact that he does play in the the San Diego organization and is still young for his level um hasn't really garnered quite the same headlines as somebody like Aloy or uh Gleyber Torres when he was coming up obviously being in the Yankee system but uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. seems like the type of guy who could really step up big on a big stage I also really like Keston Hyura in the uh or Hira as he said when he called me I gotta start pronouncing his name correctly Keston Hura in the Milwaukee Brewers organization who's with uh double a Biloxi now and tore his way through The Class A Advanced Carolina League with the Carolina Mudcats earlier this season. Just everywhere he's gone, he has done... Total damage um, was a first-round selection last year at of UC Irvine. His numbers this year at the Class A Advanced level: three twenty-three, eighty-two, five twenty-nine, a slash line of fifty games. Since jumping up to Double A, he's actually tailed off a little bit over the last ten days, two weeks or so. But still a slash line of two seventy-one, 270 two seventy-one, three twenty-eight, four fifteen. So he's handling that level of twenty-one years old. Um, but just a very capable defender, um, a guy who really, uh, as his manager at Class A Advanced told me, was not hitting as well until he started playing the field. He DH'd a lot for the first month of the season when he finally started getting work defensively when they felt like he was fully healthy and could handle it out of the gate this season. That's when he really started coming on in all facets of his game. So I really, really like Keston Hura and he's another one to, to keep an eye on. If you are unfamiliar with the Brewers second base prospect, you probably won't be for too long. Um, and strike three this week, Sam. Yesterday we had the International League and Pacific Coast League collide in the A All-Star game at Huntington Park in Columbus. And as well, we had the Eastern and Western Divisions battling it out in the Eastern League All-Star Game at Armand Hammer Park in Trenton. And uh, you were in attendance for that. Give us a a report on what it was like at the Eastern League All-Star Game.
0: Yeah, so this was pretty much dominated by kind of a perfect storm of, you know, the game is in Trenton. So it's, it's about an hour and a half from here in New York city. Tim Tebow is the game or was in the game, uh, which we discussed. Uh, and Tim Tebow is a Mets prospect. So it, it was a little bit of a circus from that point of view. Um, I will, you know, say the the trenton thunder staff handled it very well in terms of you know tim tebow had a press conference yesterday at two thirty uh got to answer all the questions i know that's kind of part of the tim tebow tour through the eastern league he gives a press conference basically everywhere he goes um, but still that was, that was kind of well handled in terms of uh you know all the new york media got to speak with Tebow. He got to answer all the questions and all that kind of stuff. And Kelsey Annigan, like I said, who came with me last night, um, did a story on that, um, you know, how he has kind of built himself into an all-star and what the reactions were from other all-stars to being around Tebow, being in the same league and all that kind of stuff, including a quote from Bernie Williams who played the national anthem uh, before the game. But, uh, so it, it was basically like the whole stadium kind of perked up for Tebow, which I thought was interesting. I, I turned to the Kelsey, you know, it was a four, four tie and I'll get into what happened after that in a bit. But uh, Tebow came up with, in a four, three game, one runner on one out. You know, he had already doubled earlier. He doubled it in his first at bat. The entire place was basically waiting for him to do, you know, a Roy Hobbs walk off home run into the, the skylights and fireworks would go off and all that kind of stuff. And he ended up striking out, which, you know, Tim Tebow strikes out a lot. I, he strikes out more than 30% of the time, so not a huge surprise. Uh, but then everybody kind of felt let down, at, at least in the stadium, not in the press box necessarily. Uh, and Brendan Rodgers came up after him, who was by far the best prospect in the game. And I'm just looking around and like, listen, I get it. We're, we're in a niche. You know, I know Brendan Rodgers more than the average fan in that stadium, but uh, – Brendan Rodgers should be piquing everybody's interest, and they just kind of everybody looked around and was just like, oh, "Okay, here's a, a non-Tebow guy who could win the game." Like if Rodgers won the game on a two-run walk-off homer, that would be a big deal for our site. And you know, Kelsey did the recap, and that would immediately lead what we were doing. But Tebow just sucks up so much of the oxygen in any stadium he's in um, that it feels like a letdown to have you know a top ten prospect come up with the game on the line, uh, which I. You know, part of me wishes I had gone up to Rogers afterwards and kind of asked about that. Like, what is it like when you are not the guy in a situation? Uh, Despite for a long time, he's been the top prospect in the Rocky system. It was a big deal when he got called up to Hartford. It was a big deal when he started at Class A Advanced Lancaster. It will be a big deal for Colorado folks, as you know, Tyler, you know, when he goes to the Futures game this weekend. um, But for that one at bat, he wasn't. And it was just really interesting to see the Tebow Circus kind of at full tilt, uh, you know, in the stadium that I was at. Um, but putting that off to the side, the game did end in a 4-4 tie. Uh, everybody was asking what happens in a tie in this kind of situation. Are we going to do the Meyer League rules of putting a runner on second base? Well, it is an all-star game. You know, both, both, or, uh, both teams had already used up all their pitchers, and you don't want to ask – more than an inning out of anybody in that game Uh, so they did call it a tie after nine innings but they went to a hitting competition that was originally told to me that was 90 seconds it ended up being two minutes Uh, each team picked one player uh, Zach Green for the eastern division and Will Craig for the western division and it reminded me a little bit of MVP baseball and that you just hit as many balls as you can over two minutes and you get points you get 100 points for a homer you get It was never fully explained to us how many points you get for, like, a ball that reaches the outfield. How much you get for a ball that reaches, you know, doesn't leave the infield, whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, Will Craig won. He got. He collected he hit for i don't know what the verb is you would use he had 305 points uh, i think zacharine had 275 and that technically gave the west the win uh not that anybody was really caring that much but it just kind of goes to show like all-star games are exhibitions we don't need to get too wrapped up in them it was kind of crazy as we were all trying to figure out in the press box exactly what was going on i'm sure it was equally confusing for fans i was trying to tweet it out and that it was catching a little bit of fire on Twitter in terms of how is this working exactly, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. You know, All-Star game should be fun, and and it was fun to both see the t circus in person and see what exactly happens uh, instead of Bud Selig throwing up his arms and just getting confused like he did in Milwaukee during the All-Star game uh, about a decade ago, uh, just saying like ah oh, we'll we'll just throw it to a hitting competition and who cares and we'll we'll have some fun with it.
2: And uh, we did get a question in for our one foul ball. A friend of the podcast, Kevin Delaria, who has emailed in um, several questions throughout the last couple of seasons. Kevin emailed and said that he was there uh, last night in Trenton and uh, asked, quote, about the hit-off tiebreaker. Is that the norm for All-Star Games after nine, or is there no norm, as I'm sure it doesn't happen all that often? I was expecting the base runner on second thing to happen, but I'm guessing the point was just to get the game over. Just curious. Um, Yeah, I don't think there really is much of a norm. Um, I think back in the day, Leagues used to go into extra innings and would play, you know, maybe one or two extra innings. I think we have seen games called in ties before in minor league. I know we have in, uh, in minor league all-star games, uh, but I I think it's cool that certain teams and levels and leagues and organizations have decided, why don't we have some fun with this? And whether it's a, a home run derby type of thing or, um, you know, a hitting competition like it was yesterday, um, I think it's kind of neat. But there really is no – there's no set rule for that type of situation in an all-star game.
0: No, it's completely set by the league ahead of time, I will say. It's not everybody gathering around and just being like, Yeah, uh, what deciding
2: is-? the day of the game.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, I talked to Altoona Curve manager Michael Ryan after the game yesterday and was like – So have you ever done anything like this before? He's like, no, but we got a memo, you know, a while back that this was a possibility. And then we got a reminder before the game that this was a possibility. And at that point, you kind of know it was just going to happen. Of course it was because it was just so silly. Like once you start thinking about it too much, you're like you just know that you're going to get involved in that. Um, But we did kind of get another instance of this earlier this year uh, just a couple weeks ago the texas league all-star game ended in a 2-2 tie and it ended up going to a home run derby between corpus christi's taylor jones and springfield's victor roach uh, that was at least a straight home run derby type situation instead of a timed clock with points which just was confusing for everybody um, but yeah it completely depends on the league there's no minor league initiative to decide tie games in, uh in all-star games
2: So that'll do it for three strikes and our one foul ball. And Sam's going to get us set up with our uh, all-star interview for this week's episode from yesterday's uh, Eastern league all-star game in Trenton.
0: Yeah. So before the game, I was able to grab uh, Toronto Blue Jays prospect, TJ Zoic, Eastern league all-star, obviously having a pretty good season with double a New Hampshire um, as of right now, you know, at the Eastern league all-star break. Uh, He has a 3.21 ERA for New Hampshire, uh, only 44 strikeouts in 73 innings, but he is an elite ground ball pitcher. He leads, actually, all Eastern League pitchers right now in ground ball rate, uh, getting you know ground balls at a rate of above 50 percent, I believe. So we get into that a little bit. That's why I wanted to talk to him. You know, we live in a day and age now of baseball where strikeout is king. St- hitters aren't too worried about strikeouts. Pitchers can rack up strikeouts, you know, by the dozens in certain uh cases that is not who tj zoic is how did he become a ground ball pitcher was it a conscious decision uh we got all into that yesterday before the eastern league all-star game in trenton hey everybody just before we get the interview started with zoic i should have explained this in the last segment but just wanted to jump in here again to explain this uh, the kind of scenario that we got to talk to players yesterday was on the field before the game, a couple of hours before first pitch. And, you know, it was really nice to get so many guys in one place and they're all stars. So it's neat to see so many guys we've always talked about in one place. Um, but part of that was that there are some pregame festive festivities that are going on. Uh, Bernie Williams, I think, I, as I mentioned, last segment got to play the national Anthem on his guitar Uh, which was really neat, but he was rehearsing when I started the interview with T.J. Zoik. So for this first minute, you're going to hear the national anthem in the background. Just know that, A, it's played by Bernie Williams, which is pretty (laughs) cool, and B, uh, it it might make for a more difficult listening experience. Trust me, it's going to be over in a minute. Uh, We would cut it out, but it it does kind of set up a a good, you know, some of the other questions I ask as the interview goes along. So just bear with us for the first minute. I trust Trust me, you'll be able to hear Zoic's answers. Uh, and otherwise, here we are with TJ Zoic. No first off, congrats on being here. Thank you. Appreciate how has this first half gone for you? What do you feel like the biggest development
3: so far has been 2018? Uh, I think it got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but it's been uh, a lot better as of lately. Um, I've been you know, kind of up and down on my last couple, but I think you know, I've sure got my feet underneath you know me, i started to figure things out. I think development-wise, the biggest thing is I've developed a better changeup. I start throwing it more often and using it more. Uh, I think just the kind of pitcher I am being a contact guy, having a good fastball changeup combo is, is big for me. Right.
0: Yeah, you mentioned being a contact guy. When did you feel like that locked into your kind of personality on the mound and what kind of pitcher you need to be going forward?
3: Um, I've always kind of been a contact guy. Uh, even in college, I, mean I had a few more strikeouts than I need to, uh, do now. but. Even that, I was a, it was an efficient pitcher. You know, post on strikes, these guys were hitting on the ground, it was going to be a quick, good, good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just developed more, more for the pro ball. I think guys can develop a better, better approach to the plate. Uh, you know, just been able to keep the ball down and throw strikes. You know guys in the
0: so you feel like you're the same pitcher you were in college or have you had to adjust on the fly in terms of what that feedback you're getting back from hitters
3: um, i've always, obviously had to make some adjustments but i would say for the most part i'm the same you know attacking fastball um you know work from there try to get ahead as soon as i can but the biggest thing just throw strikes for me um but yeah like, like i said the biggest development thing I've, i think has been developing a changeup yeah um, you know that's probably the biggest change in college i really didn't throw one right um and obviously for me to you know, pitch well in this league and to pitch well going forward, I'm going to have to use that as a, as a vital weapon for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I know when I talk to people about changeups, it's just throwing it more. But what are you doing it when, with it when you are throwing it more? What are you kind
3: of working on with that specific pitch? I think the biggest thing for me is just throwing it just like a fastball. Um, I tend to kind of let up on it, which tends to get my hand underneath the ball. I'm try, almost trying to make it slower, uh, which is obviously going to result in some pretty tough pitches and you know, um, wild command with it. Uh, so I think just it's more of a mindset thing of, you know, just kind of grip it and rip it. Mm-hmm.
0: And when you did enter pro ball, what do you feel like the Blue Jays were doing differently with you than the guys at Pitt were doing? What was the biggest adjustment from that kind of point of view?
3: Um, you know, the, for the most part, uh, when I first got into pro ball, they kind of, you know, let me do my thing. You know, let me find my own way for a little bit, uh, which I appreciated. Kind of let me get my feet underneath me uh, before they started making suggestions. And obviously, the changeup for them was a big deal, um, as it, you know, it still is that's been have my them. biggest uh, biggest requirement i would say be, uh, to develop a better change get better action on it uh, but other than other than that I really haven't done anything different than when I was in college
0: mm-hmm. and in terms of being a ground ball pitcher how much do you feel like your height kind of helps with that in terms of getting extension and, and keeping the ball
3: lowered in the well, zone and I think it helps a great deal just being able to if I'm on top of the ball it's going to create a great plane it's going to be a, you know, a downward angle which is already in itself is going to be hard to you know generate upward contact with put the ball in the air um, but if, if you add that with you know a sinker that I you know, throw one hundred percent of the time now with Fazza fastball, with the downward motion or a downward action it's going to be hard to put the ball in the air. Unless you know, obviously, I leave it over the middle or I hang it. Right. Then anything's easy to hit in the air if it's hung.
0: Yeah. And with the way the game is kind of going now, it's so much talk about a fly ball revolution and kind of that. How much have you kind of adjusted the other way and, and
3: going towards ground balls to keep
0: the ball
2: out?
3: I haven't really had to make a huge adjustment yet. Uh, obviously, just. You know, with any pitcher, if you keep the ball down, you're going to have success. Um, but in terms of me, you know, keeping my sinker down it allows it to move more. Um, so that's going to obviously generate more ground balls, and it's going to, you know, result in a quicker game and a better game for me mm-hmm. most and, of the
0: time. And when you said the sinker is basically what you're throwing all the time now, when you throw a fastball, when did you make that adjustment to switch that?
3: Uh, I think last year was the biggest adjustment. Uh, Last year, I kind, of, or in previous years, I would you know mix in a four seam here and there, try to go high, maybe change the change the guy's eyesight or change eye level. Um, but I realized you know this year and towards the latter part of last year in the fall league like, that I really wasn't that didn't really fit with my pitching style. Um, my my style had always been you know from work from the knees and work from the knees down Um, so you know when I would throw sinkers and they would be all down and then I would throw a four seam and a set hitter could see oh it's up high it's a pretty easy take for him Um, so just kind of sticking to you know moving if I'm going to move out of the zone going either farther down or
0: of and you mentioned the fall league. What was your biggest takeaway from that experience? You know, obviously tacking on some innings after the injury was helpful, but yeah. what did you get away from that seeing some new bats and some tougher bats?
3: Um I think it Seeing the tougher bats uh, and having the success that I did out there uh, gave me a new sense, of, new sense of confidence. Um, I think that was, you know, that's been big for me this year. so you know, I faced guys who are obviously at the top of the game, at the top of the minor league level, the you know, organization's best hitters out there. But I think the even bigger thing for me out there was going out and seeing other pitchers. You know, kind of seeing how they go about business. I've mentioned Max free countless times. He's made his big league debut uh, with the Braves. I think he's just a, a tremendous pitcher, and you see him. Uh, how he goes about his routine in between starts, and how he sticks to the same routine, no matter if he has a good start. Which you know, out there, every start he threw was, was amazing. You know, it was very fun to watch. But just kind of see how he sticks to his process and sticks to his routine, no matter what. And between the fall league and this first trip to Double A, what is the most eye-opening at bat you've had so far? Hitter you had to go up, up, up against? Uh, honestly, I wouldn't. Put it into one hitter. I think the most eye-opening thing for me has been my two games against Portland. You know, they've really taken advantage of me. Uh, <laughs> I've made, I haven't made very, very many good pitches against them, and then they, you know, at this level, you can't really get away with much. And they really, really showed me that, you know, if you miss by a couple inches or it's just a little up, or even if you're just a little wild, then they're going to take full advantage and they're going to are really, you know, on the runs pretty quick
0: mm-hmm. and with the way the game is kind of going and it being so stat heavy when you're looking at a- after a start what numbers are you looking at to kind of determine how good of a start it was outside of just feel
3: first thing for me is how how deep into the game i went because i think for me uh you know as a starter going at least six innings is the biggest thing that gives my bullpen and it gives my team a chance because if I, if I come out of the game like I did against Portland after three and two-thirds innings, you, you have to use up a lot of your bullpen guys, and that could can, that can screw your team up for the whole series. Um, so innings pitch is definitely number one, and then I look at walks. So if I'm putting guys on, you know, just giving them bases, obviously, it's going to put me in a lot of trouble. It's going to put me in a lot of tough situations, um, and I like to avoid those, obviously, as, as a pitcher would. Um, but other than that, you know, obviously, I like I look at how many groundouts I had because that's you know, the type of pitcher I had. But... Other than that, that's, that's all I'm really worried about mm-hmm. is giving my you know, giving my team a chance by going deep and giving my defense a chance to make plays by not just putting guys on base and full balls.
0: Right. And in terms of the second half coming up and tacking on more innings than you've ever had before, what would a successful second half look like for you?
3: Um, you know, just going as many quality starts as I can. You know, I, I'm sure at this point I think I have, what, seven or eight starts left. I think I'd like to get at least 50 innings out of those seven seven or eight starts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out with you know, what the organization wants to do. And like you said, that's the most innings I've ever thrown. Right. Um, obviously, I'm sure they have a plan in place. I would hope, and you know, I, I believe they are going to just you know kind of let me go and let me finish the year as I had started. Um, but you know, that's, I the biggest thing for me is just get as many innings as I can. Yeah. Doing a
2: job
3: with strong
0: And you mentioned the, the tough start to the year, but things have kind of improved as the year gone. Do you feel like this is where you thought you would be at the halfway point? starting out uh, at the meeting, getting called up to the new Hampshire. In an All Star
3: game, you know, does, do you feel like it's gone according to plan? This first time? Well, I would definitely say it's gone according to plan. Uh, uh, and better than plan, I honestly. Didn't think uh, when I got up here that I was going to make the All Star game, and just, just just how my first couple starts had gone. And I didn't think, you know, I had been for very long. I had only, you know, made a handful of starts here. Obviously, more than I, than I needed, but uh, I was here for about a month, month and a half, maybe, before this All Star game. Uh, so it was, a, it was kind of a shock to me, but also, you know, a very happy surprise. <laughs>
0: And how fun has this New Hampshire team been in the first half? You know, joining them when you did, and then, you know, all the names everybody talks about, I'm sure, but, like, what is it like to be with that team on a daily basis? Uh,
3: it's unbelievable. It's, it, it really helps, uh, you know, give you more confidence on the mound because I you know, if I go out there and I give up, I have a bad day, I give up five or six, we're probably still going to win the game. Our offense, you know, even without Vladdy, can put up ten runs on any given night. But With Vladdy, and Kevin, and Bo and all those guys, and Jonathan Davis, you know, it's unbelievable the uh, run scoring potential we have as a team. And how quick we can score five or six
2: runs a day. Benjamin Hill is getting set to head out on the road. We're recording this on the 12th, and the first date listed on Ben's next road trip is the 13th. Are you like, do you have your bags with you right now while you're recording this? Are you heading right to the airport?
1: No, I'm flying out tomorrow morning from New York City to Orlando and uh, then seeing a game that night. You know, in in a perfect world, I do like to travel completely separately, but uh, this time around, I'm playing it fast and loose. Waking up tomorrow morning, and I'll be at a game in uh, Kissimmee that night.
2: The Florida Firefrogs. And hello, Ben. Welcome in.
1: Hello, Tyler. Hello, Sam Dykstra. Sam hello. Dykstra uh, sitting to my left.
2: I am sitting to your left. Hello, but, Ben. This week.
1: And uh, um, when I walked into the room, Sam Dykstra had his feet up, up, up on this chair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like to get comfortable for this podcast, Ben.
2: That's
1: all. Yeah. No. Um, no. We. we it's, a, it's a very casual operation in a good way. Yeah. No. no. Right.
2: Um. Ben, Sam and I have this discussion every year when Sam goes down to the Grapefruit League because it's similar. You know, there are those words that sometimes you pronounce them one way sometimes you pronounce them the other. Is it Kissimmee? Is that the way that it's officially... Because sometimes I feel like I hear people say Kissimmee.
1: Yeah, I've been struggling with that, but I I just said it on Kissimmee and someone can um, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're in
2: Kissimmee or if you are a Floridian, um, you know, take time away from your bath salts and... uh, send Ooh. us the agreement <laughs> of that town Uh, Ben's going to be there coming up tomorrow that is the first stop on his trip the Florida Fire Frogs will take on the Daytona Tortugas and then we'll get to see the Tortugas again coming up on uh, Saturday against the Bradenton Marauders and then through Jacksonville Augusta Charlotte Asheville Johnson City and there has been one addition to this trip as well but give us a little preview of uh, going through the Carolinas and Florida and kind of Georgia although technically the Augusta Green Jackets are no longer actually in the state of Georgia but uh, run us through this trip
1: yeah i'm looking forward to this one i mean i'm also not looking forward to it because i'm talking to you guys right now and i still have like work to do in the office and i haven't packed yet and all that so right now i'm all in my own head but once i get going it's gonna be okay <laughs> so now i'm excited about it right now yeah, this um, is the start, ben, right here. yeah here we go here we go Clearing my mind um Well, you know, as you guys know, there's only four ballparks of the 159 active affiliated parks uh, that I've not been to at this current moment in time. Two of them are on this trip. One of them is the aforementioned uh, Florida Firefrogs who play in Kissimmee at uh, a former Houston Astros spring training facility. The Fire Frogs are the former Brevard County Manatees. Uh, So that's a team and ballpark I've never visited. It's a talk about another word I can't pronounce properly. It's Oceala County Stadium. (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah, it's the Florida Firefrogs playing in Kissimmee. I used to just call it Astros Camp. Yeah. (laughs) Osceola, Osceola. Osceola. That's it, Osceola. Anyway, I'm going to be there to kick things off. A ballpark and team I've never visited. Then to Daytona. Uh, Jackie Robinson Ballpark, a great ballpark. Uh, Haven't been since 2012. Of course, they've since rebranded as the Tortugas. They used to be the Cubs. Uh, Now they're a Reds affiliate with a whole standalone Tortugas name. It's going to be Big Shelbowski night, so they're uh, doing a pretty uh, extensive. Big Lebowski promotion there, uh, are the tar- are the tortug- are the tortugas, but. Uh, the Big Shelbowski bobbleheads uh, have gotten tied up in customs and will not be there on Saturday. I'm sorry to report. Wait, really? Yes. This is like the
0: turn-the-back uniform night that ha- or the future uniform night that happened like the early 2000s where all these jerseys got lost in transit, but...
1: Dude. Yeah, well, they haven't been lost. They've just been delayed. I, delayed I got that uh, email yesterday, so there will be no Big Shelbowski bobblehead, although maybe I'll have a voucher. Right, yeah. And, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Then the, your
0: address there. Like, I wanted to come to the office. I want to see what this one is going to look like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, we To be determined, uh, the Big Shalbatsky Bobbleheads. Then from Daytona to uh, Jacksonville, the Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, Another team that's rebranded since the last time I visited when they were the Suns. Uh, That's going to be Words with Fans uh, promo, a Scrabble theme, you know, Words with Friends promo. You get a J... You know, Jacksonville uh, Scrabble type tile as a giveaway, and uh, Will Anderson, a Scrabble champion, uh, will be on hand to try to set the record for most simultaneous games of Scrabble played at once. Uh, So I'll get to witness that. That's very exciting on Sunday in Jacksonville. Uh, Then up to Augusta, who and you know Augusta used to play the Green Jackets. They used to play in Augusta, Georgia. Now they play at a new ballpark across the Savannah River in Augusta, South Carolina. So we got a new team, uh, an old team in a new ballpark in a new state uh, the augusta green jackets and that's uh, another ballpark of i of course have not visited yet um srp is the name of that park and that's uh, the only totally new facility to open a minor league baseball in 2018 uh then up to charlotte haven't been there for four years but it's a great night i'm raising money for versus cancer um this season and going to be visiting a local children's hospital before going to the night's game um so I'm sure that'll be a jam packed day on from there to Asheville where they're playing as the hippies, uh, a alternate identity that started as the result of a Twitter feud with the Greenville drive. I'm not sure the story behind that, uh, but Asheville McCormick field, if you've ever been there, you know, it's one of the greatest ballparks out there. And, um, really looking forward to returning there. Then over the Appy League hitting Johnson City Cardinals because when I did the Appy League two years ago Johnson City was rained out so I'm giving them a chance at redemption. And then finally just added to this itinerary the Bristol Pirates on the 21st where Dale Murphy and the governor of Virginia are going to be in attendance and I will try to interview them both uh, separately if not also together. They they, they might be friends. That needs to be a podcast segment.
0: Yeah, That's that's what you need to say for the podcast. Just Dale Murphy talking to the governor of Virginia. Yeah, Murphy the go Go. i don't even know what they were talking about they could talk about what they had for lunch i just want to know what
1: well i'll pitch that that to the two of them and i'll say guys can you start a podcast called things where you just talk to each other every week and we'll see how that goes right so this is great you know i just feel like i just went on a big rant but this trip's going to have a lot a lot going on i'm kind of exhausted just talking about it i'm exhausted thinking about it but i know that i shan't regret it once it begins
2: seems pretty good uh, the hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not going to be like murderously hot although I did notice that the uh, title of your trip is sweating in the south so hopefully it won't be too bad for you um, but uh, Ben will be on the road and make sure you check the blog bensbiz.mlblogs.com to see if he will be in a ballpark near you, especially if you're in a place in Florida that we can't pronounce. Um, promo preview, the Lake Elsinore Storm, uh, The <laughs> this game has already passed us, but the Lake Elsinore Storm did their annual nothing night, uh, which is a game in which the Storm basically have a Seinfeld mentality of doing nothing uh no video board no PA system there's no games there's no contest there's no music nothing like that and, and uh Ben kind of dove deeper into this this time around this is a, a cool promo and it's one of those ones that I know a lot of other teams sort of jumped on and started doing this after Lake Elsinore first tried it
1: yeah I mean this is great um you know, obviously, I've you know made a career uh, where a big uh, big part of my job is covering minor league baseball promotions and all the crazy things that teams do. But yet, you know, sometimes it does get overwhelming. And sometimes, especially as a fan, you want to go to the ballpark and have nothing going on and nothing night. Uh, this is the 10th annual iteration that just passed in Lake Elsinore. Is that, um, like you said, Tyler? There's they don't charge for tickets. You walk into the ballpark for free. You can bring your own food and drink as long as it's not alcohol. Um, you know, nothing on the. P- no mascots, uh, no national anthem singer. And um, so what happens is that when it's time for the national anthem, the fans just start singing, and then the players take the field based on the fans just starting to sing. Um, so it's become – actually, it's a Monday night. It's called Nothing Night. You'd think that it you know wouldn't have that much uh, – you know, cachet, but it's it's become a really popular night for the storm. They said they get about 5,000 uh, fans for a nothing night, which is a lot of fans, uh, a lot more than nothing, and you know, very good for a Monday night, pretty much in any minor league baseball context. Um, and yeah, Tyler, like you mentioned, it's it's an idea that's uh, helped happened, you know, around minor league baseball, especially in the Cal League. Other teams have picked up on it through the years. Um, you know, I love it. I've never gotten to attend a nothing night game in Lake Elsinore or otherwise, although some say that Bowie's Creek is pretty close. So, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, so, you know, we've seen uh, approximations of it, but uh, never been there for the real thing, for the full nothing. Um, And I'm sure the Lake Elsinore Storm are going to keep doing it. You know, and talking to Raj, and I'm going to butcher Raj's last name Narayanan. Actually, I might not. I, I think that was good. Yeah, actually. I got it in one. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Wow. I'm just so used to butchering all, any 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 anything I try to pronounce for the first time. Anyway, in talking to Raj, uh, you know, he said when they first started Nothing Night, um, they actually closed the bathrooms and brought in porta-potties instead. But uh, they no longer take it that far. And, they, uh, and the original Nothing Nights, uh, they also did not sell food or drinks. They literally sold nothing at the ballpark. But they actually got complaints, you know, fans you know, even if it was nothing night, wanting to buy food and drinks, so uh, they do sell. Though you can bring in your own. Anyway, great promotion, Uh, if you're a baseball purist and you're always complaining about how crazy minor league baseball promotions are, and you know, for good reason probably, go to a nothing night or tell your local team to have a nothing night and uh, celebrate the nothingness.
0: There's two things I wanna point out about this. One I saw on Twitter after Monday night's game, which was the best thing I'd seen about nothing night, was somebody held up a sign at nothing night and it was literally just a blank sign. Yeah, that was, was nothing answer. on it whatsoever. <laughs> and it's like, I love that sort of minimalist creativity, uh, which was great. And two, th- one of my favorite cro- quotes from a story you've done, Ben, is that this was the 10th nothing night. Yes. So normally, you know, minor league teams love promoting whatever they can do. So if it's an anniversary of anything, they'll promote it. So th- the fact that this is the 10th nothing night, you would think like they would be I don't know, a patch or something to commemorate. But it, th- here's the direct quote from Raj. There will be nothing. If we did anything, it'd be something. So the big plan is nothing. And it's, it, again, it's just committing to the bit completely and wholeheartedly. And that's what made this story and this kind of promo one of my favorite things of, of the year. He even
2: takes it a – there's a step further at the end of the story. Ben notes that at the end of the season, there will be an everything night in which the Storm do – all of the stuff that they have done uh, throughout the season. They kind of bring an element of all that back for uh, the last uh, promotional night of the season. And Rosh's quote for that one is There were a couple guys who said, What about doing a something night in the middle of the season? But that fizzled. Let's keep it all or nothing. Nothing has become something, and now we have everything. It's awesome to see. That's yeah. <laughs> that is very that's like, is he Larry David? That's actually? deep, Did you man. Do this yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's a heady dude, Raj. Uh, I've gotten to know him through the years, and um, very dry sense of humor, uh, self-deprecating, and uh, you know, I think the right personality to helm the ship uh, when, you're, when you're doing nothing night.
2: That is some existential stuff. Good work, Raj. I enjoy it. Uh, Benjamin Hills on Twitter. He's at Ben's Biz. You can follow the trip on the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com, and if Ben is headed to a ballpark near you, go out and say hello, and uh, enjoy it, Ben. Travel safely.
1: Thank you. It's gonna be a whirlwind, but I'm gonna come back with lots of stuff and lots of stories and uh, you know lots of good times to regale all of you with. Every single one of you, thank you very much, and thank you, Sam Dykes sitting to my left and Tyler in uh, Denver, Colorado or sitting somewhere thereabouts.
2: Way to your west,
1: whichever direction that is. Yeah, <laughs> that's my left. I'm pointing west right we're now. We're
2: both we're both left then. Me and me and Sam are both to your left. It's very yeah, fitting.
1: Yeah, swing it left. Let's go. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Big thanks to TJ Zoic, who has the most entertaining name to pronounce in minor league baseball, for joining the show a little while ago from yesterday's Eastern League All-Star game in Trent, New Jersey, and a big thanks to Benjamin Hill as well, who was on the road probably as of the time you're listening to this podcast. So uh, you can find Ben somewhere down in the Southeast slash Florida. Is Florida considered? I don't think Florida is considered part of the Southeast. I think it's just why would its it not town. be? It's
0: literally the most southeastern state we have.
2: Yeah, but I feel like Florida is just like its own. It's, it's like, you know, like it's Texas its own doesn't planet. consider itself part that, of the South. But... Well, yeah, that's true, too.
0: This, yeah, the South stops know. at the Florida Georgia line. And
2: Email us and correct us on all of this stuff, please. Somebody from Florida. Um, MILB.TV, your place to watch all the top talent in minor league baseball. Sam, what are you watching on MILB TV this week? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I'm going to pick a game on Sunday. I won't actually be able to watch this game. I'm going to be at the Futures game in Washington. Uh, but it does this game I'm choosing does start at 135 Eastern. Uh, the, the Futures game starts at 4, so you at home could totally do both. Make your own Sunday afternoon doubleheader if you so choose. Uh, Altoona is traveling to Erie. Uh, if you listen to our podcast a couple weeks ago, we talked to Erie managers uh, Andrew Graham, uh, one of the guys we talked about. In that interview with Graham was Bo Burrows, a top 100 prospect who got to play in the Eastern League All-Star game the other day. He also participated in last year's Futures game. and was kind of a standout there because he showed some real elite velocity in that game. Uh, It was a shorter stint. He's not going to throw upper 90s consistently now because he's trying to throw deeper into games. Um, But, you know, going up against an Altoona lineup that's going to feature somebody like Will Craig, who won that hitting competition in the Eastern League All-Star game, Uh, that should be a, a pretty fun matchup. Uh Burroughs looking to kind of pick up some strikeouts. Last year he he was a little bit more of a K machine, striking out 137 and 135 innings. Now it's at 72 and 84 two-thirds. Um but he's up to 31 total starts at double A. He's looking to crack through the triple A Toledo, could take a really positive step in that direction with a good start Sunday at home against the curve. So I'll be keeping an eye on on that. Uh, If not Before the the Fugits game, certainly afterwards, checking in on Bo Burrows. What do you got your eye on this weekend, Tyler?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go to the California League and the Class A Advanced Inland Empire 66ers. Joe Adele will be part of that U.S. roster for the Futures game coming up on Saturday, Um, and he's the top-ranked prospect in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim organization. But Brandon Marsh, who is also an outfielder in that system, um, had four hits last night, a story I got to write. uh, That was on Wednesday night for Inland Empire. But the type of guy who you can kind of tell is getting it figured out. Prior to that, he had hits in uh, eight of his last ten games, had just a single hit in all those kind of breaks through with a flood on Wednesday. I think he's got hits in 23 out of his last 27 games now, so things are starting to come together for Brandon Marsh. And that's just a really talented roster. It's a really fun group in Inland Empire, and you can check out the 66ers at home this weekend against the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes and a talented roster there as well. Um, Ryland Bannon, some of the guys in the, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers organization, there's some really fun talent on that squad as well. So uh, you can check out some late games from the California League if you are a night owl uh, out on the East Coast and just want to watch baseball into the wee hours of the morning Be sure to do so on MILB.TV. And coming up this weekend, be sure to catch the Futures game. Might catch a glimpse of Sam somewhere. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But Washington, D.C. Nationals Park this weekend will be one of the the coolest days uh, on the minor league calendar all season long. That's coming up on Sunday and a full slate of minor league games this weekend as well. And uh, we'll be back to recap it all next week and talk to you about everything else that went on around the minor leagues for the week to come. And uh, until then, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.